The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for their journey but a walking stick. No food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals and not a second tunic. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I can't say for certain that all of you are baptized, but I'm guessing a large majority. Uh, There might be only a a few people who maybe, for whatever reason, aren't baptized. Uh, That's okay. Um, But I'm going to assume that you're all baptized. Um, And why do I do that? Well, with baptism comes certain things. Most of us don't remember our baptism. I hope most of you have witnessed a baptism since... And so you've been able to see someone else baptize and to be able to see what happens and to think about it and to kind of see. Sometimes it can be ordinary and we almost just assume that it's it's just uh, another step in the way that can sometimes be uh, an ethical type or um, a bad cultural Catholicism where it just kind of happens. It's like, well, of course you're baptized. What does it actually mean? I don't know. You just get baptized. That's not quite the way that we'd like to do it, right? Baptism is supposed to have is supposed to be one of the most significant moments in our life. It transforms our life. It should. Um, and it does, although many of us experience it as a child, so we don't even know what it's like not to be baptized, right? And we don't necessarily always live out our baptism. And so that's sometimes the problem as well, is that we don't live in our baptism. And so when we don't experience anything different or we don't know why it's not different, well, it's partly because we're not living in our baptism. We hear in the second reading today this beautiful um, reading or letter from St. Paul who just pours out his blessing. He's poured out and he says, you know, Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing in the heavens. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, holy and blameless. He just pours out all of these blessings. And where these really come from is especially in our baptism, where these blessings are poured out and we know. And specifically, one of the greatest things that happen in our baptism is that we become children of God. Now, you say, well, everybody's a child of God. Well, actually not. Everyone's a creation of God, and God loves every single person. And every single person in the world is uh, worthy of dignity and respect and is made in the image and likeness of God. However, only Christians who are baptized become adopted children of God. We sometimes talk about this as everyone's a child of God. Well, Yes, to a certain extent, in the fact that they're created. However, as Christians, we are particularly children of God. We are adopted children of God in our baptism. And what that means is that we're not just created by him. 
We're not just like him, but he chooses us. And sometimes we think of adoption as kind of like a, uh, as a second class, um, second class sonship or daughtership, right? Kind of not being as good as being a blood uh, daughter or son. However, in the Roman society, adoption is even greater than blood, uh, blood children. Adoption takes over everything and can even replace a blood um, son or daughter. This adoption that St. Paul talks about within the Roman culture is huge in significance, and it should be huge and significant for us that we are adopted children. Adoption is not a second-class type of citizenship within it, but is instead a first-class, that we are adopted, we are chosen by God. We just don't happen to be God's children, but we are chosen as God's children, and that he pours out every single abundant blessing on us because he has chosen us in our baptism. However, with that, and so with that, we, we become children of God by adoption, by an intrinsic way in which we die in Christ and are risen to him. And one of the things is we receive these amazing gifts in baptism of uh, kind of the gateway. We kind of talk about the sacrament of baptism as sometimes being the gateway to the other sacraments, is that it's only in baptism that then we're able to receive all the other sacraments. Confirmation, First Communion, reconciliation, marriage, holy orders, anointing of the sick, all these sacraments are open to us because of baptism, because we're born into Christ and then are able to receive even more grace from him. However, again, we don't always live in our baptism. We don't always receive that grace. And so we, uh, one of the reasons why we read the scripture One of the reasons why we come to Mass is to continually remind ourselves of who we are, who God is, and what we're called to. And hopefully, this can be an opportunity to continue to remind ourselves of that. Now, one of the things that happens at a baptism, if you've been to a baptism, there's a lot of different things in it. But one of my favorite moments in baptism is after the baptism, right after the baptism, I get to take out some chrism oil. And then chrism oil is the really good smelling oil. They actually put uh, some sort of uh, balm or uh, bals- balsam uh, scent and other things in it. So it doesn't smell like normal oil. It smells really good. And it's used in a few different sacraments. It's used at baptism. It's used at confirmation. And it's used at holy orders. Okay? In, in confirmation, they put it on the forehead and be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. In ordination for the priests, they anoint the hands with the oil that will be used in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and to administer the sacraments. And in baptism, we take the chrism oil and we put it on the crown of the head. Now, the crown of the head is sometimes thought kind of up here, but it's actually kind of the crown of the head where, where a crown would go, right? Where a king or a queen would wear their crown, right? And right after baptism, the first thing that we do is we take this chrism oil and we put it onto the child's head and we anoint them as a priest, prophet, and king. This threefold role that we all have as adopted children of God. That we're actually anointed now 
to be a priest, prophet, and king. Now, really quick, as a priest, uh, there's a difference between the common priesthood and the ministerial priesthood, right? The ministerial priesthood is what we kind of often talk about with the priesthood, and that's what I was anointed uh, as, as a priest, to offer the sacraments in a special way. However, we all are anointed as common priests, which is a, an ability to be able to interact with God, right? Priests stand before the people offering sacrifice to God, and that we all have the ability to be able to do that now with our very life, right? In our baptism, because we are close to God within that. And so we're anointed as priests that we can offer sacrifice ourselves, our very selves, our love, our sacrifices, and these other things to God the Father. We're also anointed a king. And we're anointed a king to have a certain ruling authority, right? We have a certain authority within this world. An authority not to do whatever we want, but an authority to be able to do what is right, right? We also have an authority uh, over unclean spirits uh, to be able to say in the name of Jesus Christ, be gone from here, right? We have a certain authority within that. And lastly, what I want to touch on is we're also all a prophet. Now, we might say, well, what is a prophet? Uh, sometimes we can imagine a prophet as somebody who tells the future, right? Uh, the end is near, right? Oh, we're all going to, the end is near. And that's often kind of uh, the prophetic voice, right? This idea of telling the future. However, prophetic voice isn't just telling the future. And in fact, I think in a much more ordinary way, what we're called to be as prophets is to speak the truth in the world. And that's what the prophets of the Old Testament especially do, is they speech speak the truth into the world, which is, if you continue on your path, it's not going to end well, right? Which is sort of telling the, the future, right? Okay, if you continue to do these stupid things and continue to not worship God and continue to sin, it's not going to go well for you. Telling the future, right? Um, however, it's not a future of seeing in the future as a, as a type of uh, visionary to a certain degree. It's just seeing the truth and the natural consequences of what is happening within the world. And we, as baptized Christians, as being adopted children of God, have that role to be prophets within the world. We might say, well, I'm not a priest, right? I haven't had any formal education. I don't know what to say. I don't know my faith well enough. I don't know God I don't, I, I, well enough, right? I don't know what to do. Well, join the company, because that's exactly what Amos says in the first reading today, to a certain degree. Uh, a lot of the prophets that were called weren't necessarily the prophets that were sometimes talked about. So we actually hear this beautiful, this beautiful calling story by Amos in the first reading. And, and to know a little bit of context, he's going up to the northern kingdom and telling the northern kingdom, hey, you're not following God. Bad things are going to happen. And nobody really likes to hear that, right? They, nobody likes hearing that they're sinning, right? Nobody likes to hear that they're doing things wrong. Now, we shouldn't go around telling everybody that they're wrong, right? Okay, that's not being a prophet, right? Um, but there are certain times when we do need to tell people that they're doing something wrong, right? That they need to repent 
Actually, that's what the apostles went and did. They healed and cast out spirits. But they also, one of the main things that they did is they preached repentance. That's what St. John the Baptist did. And that's even what Jesus did at the beginning of his ministry was preach repentance. That we all have to repent from our sin. And so Amos goes up to the northern kingdom and starts preaching repentance and saying, hey, you've got to change your ways or bad things are going to happen. And nobody likes that. And so they actually kick him out and they say, off with you, visionary, flee the land of Judah where you can earn your bread by prophesying, right? Never prophesy again here. And Amos is like, hey, buddy, my job is not to be a prophet. My job, actually, he says, I was no prophet, nor have I belonged to a company of prophets, right? Because there were certain groups of people who would go around and kind of make their money prophesying. And so they would often, you know, be part of a group and they would just go around and they would earn their bread by prophesying. Well, Amos is like, hey, man, this is not what I signed up for. This isn't actually what I think I'm cut out for. And he says, I was a shepherd and a dresser of sycamores. Now, we have no idea what a dresser of sycamores is. Uh, it's a very strange thing that's kind of mentioned within scripture. And there's a few ideas about it of maybe cutting them to be able to get sat. But a very strange thing. I, I don't know whether anybody noticed that. Isn't that funny how this was read in the first reading? First reader did a great job. And yet, did anybody notice this strange line? Oh, was a shepherd and a dresser of sycamores. I, I don't know what that is, right? Uh, but he had other jobs. But he says, the Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. He's not doing this to get any bread. He's not doing this because he's trying to make uh, make a job. He's doing this because he's called by God. And we are called by God to prophesy. We are anointed prophets in this world. And this world needs prophets. Because there is so much darkness and sin and godlessness that we don't need to be a prophet who goes around and says, uh, you know, the end is near, repent, right? What we need is to be a prophet by acting in the truth and speaking in the truth. We can be a prophet of truth just by doing the right thing in difficult situations. We're just doing the right thing in general in public. Right? When we go and we eat at a restaurant to just pray the meal prayer and to make the sign of the cross, that is being a prophet. Now, we don't want to be obnoxious about it, right? We're not trying to be obnoxious, but we're also not trying to hide it. We're trying to remind people that God is still alive, that there are still people who follow God and desire Him to be within our lives. When someone does something wrong, and you have a relationship with that person to, to maybe correct them, right? Again, hopefully you have a relationship with them, right? There are certain times to be able to do that and certain times are not. But if you just stand by and watch bad things happen, well, again, you're not being a prophet. You're not speaking to the truth of things within this. We are not ordinary people. We are baptized people. We are children of God. We are anointed as priests, prophets, and kings. And I realize that we don't always live in that. And that's why we have the sacrament of reconciliation, right? Because we need to often uh, be cleansed of our sins and to be reminded of who we are and, and be set once again within the kingdom and the mercy of Jesus Christ and, and to be restored in grace in that way. However, what we do want to work for 
is to live out who we truly are. And we do lots of things. We have lots of jobs. We have lots of hobbies and different things. But one of the most important core beings of who we are, deeper down than everything else, even our sins, is that we are beloved children of God. We are adopted and chosen children of God who are anointed to be priests, prophets, and kings in this world. And my prayer uh, for myself often is to just live that out, right? Just the common priesthood of holiness, but also why I am here today as a priest is because I want all of you to live that out as well. And that is why I am a priest today, is to serve all of you and help you as anointed uh, people in this world to go out and preach and to be prophets in this world.